there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Welcome to the Organic Gardener podcast today. It's um, Saturday, January 5th, and I'm just like so excited because I have a listener on the line and somebody who I know is just going to share a ton of golden seeds because I talked to her before and I just, she's in the Facebook group and I just know that you are going to love her. And, um, from, um, Florida, uh, she's a realtor and a beekeeper and she has an amazing program called the sustainability project. I know you're going to love it's Kara Bellamy. So welcome to the show, Kara. Hey, how are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited. Like this is, a, I've been looking forward to this day for so long and I'm glad you're going to share your journey and, uh, go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, by day I'm a realtor and I'm also a backyard beekeeper. Um, I'm a third generation farmer. My grandparents owned a hundred acre wheat farm on the prairie in rural Dufresne, Manitoba in Canada. Um, my family lived off the land. They grew their food seasonally in a one-acre vegetable garden. Um, and then after the local community collectively brought in the fall harvest, they would uh, preserve quickly um, and also can their produce for storage in their root cellar. And it was a big root cellar. Uh, these people were a hardy bunch. Oh, my gosh. My family were – they were tough. They managed to survive brutally harsh winters. And with minimal resources – using a wood-burning stove for heat. They had crude electric, um, no running water, and or no indoor plumbing either. And they kept and cared for livestock, and they only took what they needed to survive. My ancestors practiced the tragedy of the commons method, and that's how they managed to raise a family of eight people in rural Manitoba. And Manitoba's like where you go to, it's in, in uh, Canada, but like, I know they used to take trips in college to go see the polar bears there, like... Maybe not yeah. exactly where your grandparents live, but was is it like where yeah. there, are there polar bears there? Yeah, there is. Churchill, Manitoba, is where you, where people go yeah. and teach polar bears. Yeah, it's a business. <laughs> uh, so that is cool. some pretty intense climate there. And then, oh yeah, you ended up going like a pretty opposite on the continent, going to Florida, right? Yep, I sure did. I landed in Florida. I got hired by Disney back in 1984 to work at the Canadian Pavilion and Epcot Center. And uh, I bumped into my husband two weeks later, who also worked there, and then fell in love, got married, and we're still together all these years later. Oh, my gosh. That's so romantic. I always wanted to work for Disney. Uh, I tried to go <laughs> to the like the university out in Colorado or um, in California. The California Institute of the oh, Arts really? and get a job for Disney when I oh. first uh, graduated high school, but I guess I wasn't good enough awesome. an artist. I didn't get in. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, they liked me a lot because I managed to beat out sixty-four other people for the job. So yay, yay for wow. me! <laughs> well, congratulations! And you've been there ever since then. That's a long time. Yeah, thirty-five years almost. Wow! All right, so. Tell us about your very first gardening experience then. Was it like, did you live in Manitoba up there with your grandparents or where did you like, what was your experience? Okay. Well, no, I mean, I, we used to go visit the farm every two years in the summertime. And then I, that's how I got, I got exposed to the farm. However, my mom, 
my mother, when she moved to the big city of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where I'm from, where I was born, she became a backyard farmer and a, comp- and a composter, and she carried on her family farming tradition in our backyard, in an urban, suburban setting. Um, I began helping my mom garden when I was a little child. Uh, she taught me valuable lessons uh, about planting and harvesting and food preservation skills. And, you know, all, all these years later, I've been utilizing this, and it's been, it's been working out fantastic for me. Um, luckily for me, both my parents were award-winning gardeners, so pulling weeds and or fresh carrots really comes natural. Wow. And so was it a challenge to learn how to change that down in Florida? Like, are there different practices that you have to, you know, put into place or? Um, I wouldn't say really different practices. Um, It's all pretty much the same. Gardening is pretty much the same wherever you go. It's just the conditions that you, in the climate, of course, that you have to deal with. Um, In Florida, we have really sandy soil, whereas like where my parents lived, it was very, it was a really deep rich soil that they had um so it's different gardening you know you have, to, you have to plant the more native things that grow well in your climate i mean i'm in climate zone 9b uh where it's where my parents where i'm from it's come it's like way way different climate you know they get snow and here we don't get any snow obviously we hardly even get any freezes so uh did your mom garden organically? Like, how did you learn how to garden organically? Yeah, my mom, my mom taught me. I mean, she was a big time comp. She was a big time composter, and she composted all of our all of our organic kitchen waste. In fact, she had three bins under the kitchen sink: mm-hmm. one for regular trash, one for uh, recyclables, and one strictly for organic waste. So we got taught very young had a compost, which is, have been an invaluable experience for me. And now I've carried on that tradition. Um, one thing my mom didn't do is she didn't use toxic chemicals. Um, there weren't any available when she grew up. Um, instead they did, she did pest control by hand and also by natural methods of like planting different, um, different plants, different vegetables, you know, that, that they're, they're compatible with each other, you know? So it was really, it was really, Great. She learned how to do that. I mean, they had to grow all their own food in one season and, and preserve it. Otherwise, they didn't have anything to eat. <laughs> so they did it well. They learned quick. And probably kind of some of it was passed on from generation to generation, too, oh, yeah. I would think. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, tell us about something that grew well down in Florida this year. Like, are you in garden season right now? Or is it yeah, winter? Yeah, we are. Um well, yeah, it is winter, but um, in Florida, you can grow year-round. I mean, there's different crops that grow well in, in summer, spring, fall, winter. Um, adding two beehives to my garden mix this year was a huge plus. I grew, I ended up growing delicious beefsteak tomatoes, just like my mom did. Um, we also had great success growing a wide variety of herbs. We grew our own organic uh, oregano basil we had cucumbers bananas sunflowers jalapenos salsa garden peppers which are super hot um bell peppers i grew limes lemons mini oranges blueberries blackberries and a host of other products a host of other vegetables and fruits and nuts it was really great including pineapples wow what are pineapples like to grow you know they're so easy to grow. You chop off the top, leave about an inch 
on with the with the you know the spiky stuff that comes off the top of the leaves and then you seed it in some water for about two weeks keep adding more water until it sprouts root then transplant it into a pot or right into your soil and next thing you know you've got a uh, a new pineapple plant growing it's fantastic wow cool uh yeah so then you can just like if you grow some then maybe you can i don't so you can just eat the pineapple and grow from the stem that's fantastic yeah i mean and it, it's so it's so great because you're basically there's no waste when it comes to the pineapple yeah. you're recycling the whole pineapple you know and then you're reusing it and you're regrowing it it's and you can do the same thing with onions and actually a few other uh items you can do the same thing with it, it's it's really cool and, and including strawberries you can do that with strawberries as well I think I knew that about strawberries or I thought strawberries just kind of like they sent those runners out and they would start a new plant. Yep. They do. Yep. You can do that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's, it's great. I mean, so if you can do it, great. Then you're, then you don't have to buy seeds. You don't have to you just use what you, you just use the West, what you would normally throw in the garbage, what somebody would normally throw in the garbage. Instead of doing that, you're, you're reusing the plant, you're reusing, you're reusing the plant. And, um, you get a new plant out of it. I mean, there's no cost involved. It's free. Nice. And fruit is so great that way. Like, that's the, one of the biggest oh, things I love about it is it makes such a nice asset for your property. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. And my sunflowers did great this year. Um, wonderful, wonderful. In fact, I added another plant called Mexican sunflower, and they are wonderful, especially for pollinators. They're wonderful for that. Nice. So what's something new or different you're excited to try? Well, um, for for next year, I think I would, I want to design a permaculture garden. Um, and that's to maximize my, maximize my urban growing space. Um, right now I have two raised bed gardens. And I mean, when I mean raised beds, I mean like you don't have to bend over at all. They're like, they're about three feet off the ground my husband makes them um i've used those because both of us have you know you know back it strains a lot of times you're doing gardening so those have been great you can also use uh you can also build like raised bed boxes and you know just set them on the ground you want to make sure about they're about 12 inches high and then fill them with soil and then you can grow in there as well but you do have to do some bending over when you have those kind of um those kind of boxes. Anyway, um, they're a great way to grow food and not injure your back in the process, which is why I like them so much. Me too. What's he building them out of? Just like two by fours? Um, two by, yeah, two by fours for the legs. And then just, uh, like four, no, you want to ask me, um, wood, just, he, he gets wood from, you know, buys wood and then he'll make them, uh, who make the sides of the planter and the bottom, and then he screws everything together and then uses wood glue and glues it together. It's really great. I mean, it, it they've turned out to be a great, a great asset to the garden. In fact, next time I think what we're doing is this year also, this year coming up, we're going to we're going to take all the soil out of the ones that we have and I'm going to paint them bright colors like I've done with my beehives. I actually have um, our very graphic art, art say graphic art on my beehives which is awesome they're so beautiful um my husband's a graphic artist by by trade so uh we want to do the same thing with our raised bed gardens we're going to paint them and then paint them with like these butterflies fruit vegetables just make it really festive 
Aww. Especially when I have people over that come see them and they go, wow, that's awesome. I love that. I painted this mailbox for my mom many years ago. It was like when Mike and I first got married. And uh, I want to put those like in the garden because I think they would, they'd be a great place to keep my pruners and like my little tools. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Actually, I was going to get a beehive box for my mailbox and I was going to decorate that as well. <laughs> Oh, how cute. Aw. Uh, yeah. So tell us about something that didn't work so well last season. <laughs> Pumpkins. <laughs> they were devour- devoured by gray larvae. I haven't had any luck with pumpkins. I mean, they start to grow. They're great if you just sprout them and then chop off the leaves and eat them. But uh, as far as growing actual pumpkins, I haven't. They just they they just keep getting getting eaten, and I don't like to use any kind of pest, you know, pesticides or anything like that. Or, you know, I don't want to use any chemicals on my property, especially because I've got bees and I'm trying to um, do it non toxic and organic. So, yeah, that's been a that's been an issue. It's kind of kind of sad, but it is what it is. It's nature. We've always struggled with pumpkins too, but last year, my friend Decia, right after Thanksgiving, maybe or right after Halloween, gave me this thing called the Cinderella pumpkin that grew out of her compost pile. And so we saved the seeds from that. So we're hoping that's going to maybe grow here next year because we've always had a challenge with pumpkins too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, somebody had recommended me recommended to me that I could use something called, I could actually spray the pumpkins with, I think it's kaolin. Kale, I, I, I don't even ask. I think it's kaolin clay and that would coat them and prevent them from being eaten by this larvae <laughs> they've used it and they said it works but uh, i still have to i have to do some more investigation on that and see how it's used and applied and everything and mm-hmm. hopefully i'll be able to grow some pumpkins next year okay well great. let us know or i'll see if i can find any information out too my mom's big problem with pumpkins yeah, is she puts them out for halloween and the squirrels all eat them they got them. <laughs> they go, they eat her pumpkins every year, and I told her, "Well, just put clay pumpkins outside." <laughs> oh my uh, god, that didn't help funny. her, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's the big problem she has with pumpkins, but I don't know if she's tried to grow them. Yeah, I think you can. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually go. Uh, I, I got a book called um, "The Florida Wild Edible Guide," mm-hmm. and um, you know, just for here locally, for where I am, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you can actually grow what's called a seminal pumpkin, which are like little gourds. They're like mini pumpkins, but they're green. Um, and I, I know that one of the nurseries close by here where I live, they've been growing them and they've been selling them. And they're really, and they're very hardy. They're very, very hardy for this, the soil conditions here and the, the heat. Because if the heat will really, will really kill a lot of stuff, you know, in the, in the heat of the summer, oh, <laughs> when it's 90 plus degrees, it's really it's really brutal on on growing stuff. Although it's great for growing peppers, any kind of peppers. We grow them like crazy here. Salsa peppers, green uh, green pep, bell peppers, um, and jalapenos grow like they grow like weeds. I mean, I have had such incredible success with those. Well, peppers are good. Do you make salsa? I want to make salsa. I'm just I've never found a good salsa recipe that works for me. What do you do with all your well, peppers? Spend time. Um, I 
well, we eat them. We put them in salad and, you know, saute them with, you know, with food, with other vegetables a lot of times. Um, but I also make my own salsa and I grow cilantro and we grow, we grow, I grow onions, salsa, I go, grow salsa peppers, jalapenos. Um, what I do is I chop them all up and I actually grow corn too. Not too much corn. I'm just experimenting with it right now. But I have like some um, peaches and cream corn I'm growing. So what I do is that I take the corn and take the kernels and I add that with the salsa, I mean with the salsa peppers, jalapenos, onions, and vinegar, some agave nectar I use in there. And then I make a corn salsa out of it. And, it, and everybody loves it. Everybody that tries it loves it. It's really great stuff. And it's all fresh. Mmm, that sounds so good. I love corn salsa. Uh, and with the agave and vinegar and onions and all that, they, all those things mixed together, that sounds delicious. It is. It's good, and it's good for you. It's good. It's excellent for you. And for everything's every almost everything's fresh. I, there's not too much I don't grow. You know, in the summertime, uh, I use try to use as much as I can. You know, from my garden. That way, I'm, I'm I, I like to I like to eat organic. So that's why I'm you know that's why I grow a lot of stuff. I want to know. I want to know where my stuff's coming from. For sure. Before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links. Hey, everyone. So I just want to remind you that we created a Patreon page. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And just go to patreon.com forward slash organic gardener podcast. I went back in and changed the Patreon tiers again. So now it is... um, you can donate. My brother was like, you're still asking for just way too much. He's like, it should be a dollar a month or $2 a month. So I changed it. So it's like $12 a year. Um, you can go in for a dollar a month. I, and pretty much, I think you can just, if you just click on any of them, you can donate whatever amount you want. Um, and so it would just be huge if you could help. Um, when he found out how much I was paying for my website and stuff, he was just in shock. So, um, you know, I, I love my podcast and I, I certainly would, I was, I have to say, I'm surprised we're still going cause I'm really struggling at this point. So if there's anything you can do to help keep the show on the air, I know you get value from it cause I've learned so much. Um, it would really help. So like my brother said, if just 50 people could donate a dollar a month, that would really, really, really be huge in helping pay for the website. He was like, what? You pay $77 a month just for the website? And then there's a few other charges that, like I said, it comes out to about $100 a month that I've been putting out for going on four years now out of our own pockets. So um, it would just be huge if you could chip in. And now let's get to the root of things. Where are you getting to the root of things? So... Kara, what activity is your least favorite activity? Like, is there anything you have to force yourself to get out there and do in the garden? Number one thing I don't really enjoy doing is pulling weeds and deterring pests. I, not, no, don't like pulling weeds. I never have. My That used to be a chore of mine when I grew up. And uh, it was, uh, believe me, I never wanted to do it. My mom and dad would send me out into the garden. They never did anything with toxic chemicals. Nothing, never. They were, they were, all organic my dad would send me out with a weed with a it was like a little i don't know like a garden tool it was a weed popper so you'd pop up the weeds i know exactly what you're talking about yeah i don't know what you call it but it's like it almost is like a golf club but it's not it has like a 
like a hammer's head on the end, and you just go, and it pops them up and by the root, and you throw them in the compost pot. Uh, do you find, like, now as an adult that you, like, do things so you don't get as many weeds to begin with? Like, do you think part of that, like, I don't know, I find, like, with mulching and, like, we have such a water shortage that uh, if you don't water the weeds, you don't get as many weeds. If you just, like, make sure the only place the water's going is at the root of the plant. But the more we expand, the more I see, like, now that we have, like, a sprinkler that goes, like, you know, around in a circle, we have more weeding yeah. to deal with. Well, you know, just recently when I bought my Florida wild edibles, when I bought my guide... I'm starting to read up on, actually, there's a lot of weeds that I used to pull that in the last couple of weeks since, I, since I've been following the guide, I'm actually not pulling them. I'm leaving them because they're bee food, and I have bees. And I noticed that on my wood sorrel, which is pink, with pink flowers, they also have yellow flowers too. Um, my, it's right beside my beehive, and the wood sorrel, you know what the wood sorrel, it looks like shamrocks, right? So um, my bees have been, that's a huge source of food for my bees. They're all over it. And I'm like, why would I pull this? It's bee food and it's natural. So I've decided to keep them. That's why I bought that guide. And I thought, you know, I'm going to keep the good stuff that you can actually harvest and eat, including hawksbeard and uh, also thistle with the little yellow flowers. I've been keeping that. So I haven't actually been pulling as many of those. I've been trying to leave a, a, a good portion of them for the bees. And also butterflies like them, too, because they have nectar and pollen in them, which, which is fantastic. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, you know, keep my bees nourished and uh, healthy. Is that part of your sustainability project? Yeah, it is, actually. So do you want to tell us about yeah. that? Well, yes. Okay, so um, I've got a, my. it's called the Sustainability Project, um, and uh, it's a community composting project and that program really and it's trying to encourage all my neighbors to uh, drop off their organic food waste to me and then I compost it in the garden so that I can grow fruits and vegetables that nourish bees and butterflies and uh, keep them healthy and that way I can grow organic food um, and and then return the surplus I mean it's fantastic so how is that working for you? Because I think this is just the best idea. Like, how, like, do you give them a bucket or they just bring it by? Like, do you have a certain day of the week or do you just have a place? Like, how is it all working? Yeah. Um, yeah, people can drop, people drop off their uh, bags, like a, in a paper bag to me on my doorstep. And we're, and really any day of the week, my husband's retired, so he's here all the time. So he can pick it up. Um, and then I just turn it into garden soil. I mean, and then I also have, I also co-ops with um, some other beekeepers that have more land than I do, obviously. Um, they have bigger, they have bigger, they make, you know, a, a few acres of property. And then I just take them the excess if I can't use it all. And, and then I compost everything. I mean, just we should we should be composting food on the surface of the earth instead of sending it to a landfill. I mean, that's it just makes sense. People have been doing this for thousands of years. I mean, this is how people created garden soil, and it's the best way to it's the best way to keep bees and butterflies and all of our pollinators, you know, healthy and ha healthy and nourished. 
So the big question everybody keeps asking me, because like my garden course that I've been working on, the first chapter is all about composting, which I personally think is like one of the easiest, cleanest garden chores you can get into. But they keep like, I don't know, they seem to be a lot of people are worried about it getting animals in it and it being too messy. Like, do you worry about animals getting in your compost? No, I started experimenting just in my, just with a tiny little compost, like an apple. You've seen those apple crates, like an apple barrel yeah. that people used to put, like old-fashioned apple barrel, like it's a wooden barrel. Huh? I started I started composting originally in that, and I wanted to see what the, you know, I wanted to see how it would do. And within weeks, I mean, it doesn't smell. When you, or when you, it's like if you eat a banana and you throw it on, you throw it into the grass or whatever, it doesn't smell. It just, it go, it disintegrates right back into the into the ground the same thing is when you put it into a, a one location like a bucket or something um just like a like a uh, something that breathes the wood breathes that's why i picked that particular wooden uh, product from my compost pit uh, the first time the first time around and i noticed that it doesn't smell it doesn't smell at all and i thought wow this is really cool if you're just using organic scraps it doesn't smell now if you add don't, I, don't add potato peels. I ended up getting a mouse in my screen room. It chewed a hole. It wanted the potato peels. So that that I learned quickly. Ne- don't compost potato peels or potato products. I mean, they'll, that, that'll attract um, that'll attract rodents. Um, but otherwise, if you just use like you know vegetable clippings when you're cooking dinner or whatever, just scrape them into a bowl and then go put them in your compost pile. Let them just turn it like once ever you know whenever you can really. Um, I know people are busy in their lives and they don't get a chance to do it like, you know, every day or whatever, but once a week or whatever, whatever you can. Yeah, we keep our pitchfork in there. So it's just like anytime you're walking by, it's easy enough to turn. Yeah, yeah. And then so what I did is uh, then I then I noticed that I was (laughs) this is so funny. Um, I've had a metal lid on it that had a little hole um, and. I noticed that I was seeing a whole bunch of lizards. Now I was seeing fruit flies. Of course, you're going to get those with the organic compost. And then I was seeing lizards sitting on top of the lid where the hole was. They were waiting for the fruit flies to come out so they could eat them. It was oh, then, I, so then I started cool. seeing this whole ecosystem. This was the coolest thing. I started seeing an ecosystem developing. And then next thing you know, I've got all these black soldier fly larvae, which are little worms. They're voracious. They ate through tea bags, coffee grinds. Rice, you name it. Whatever I put in there that was organic, they ate every bit of it. It was, and I'm thinking to myself, this is nature at work. So then I ended up. What I ended up doing is that the wooden the wooden barrel ended up. I need I needed more. I, I obviously needed to put put stuff in a in a bigger area. So I created a compost pile out in the backyard that's way way bigger. <laughs> and I, I do. I go back there with a rake and I rake it. And I turn everything. So it's really great. I agree. I love your enthusiasm because I get just excited. And like I said, and what I love about compost to me is it's so forgiving. Like you said, if you're busy and you don't get to turn it, it will just sit and decompose. And I don't find that it smells. I really don't. I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Now, the only thing you may, the only thing is if you're putting onion peels in there, yeah, they're going to smell for a few days until they start decomposing, and then they're not going to smell anymore. But other than that, they really don't smell. And I have, I have never had an issue with 
any kind of vermin or anything getting in there. Nothing. Now, here's 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 the disclaimer though. What I do, what I did do, is right by my compost pile. I have a fake decoy owl sitting on a pole. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Not sure. Good to know. I like that. So, on the flip side, yeah. what's your favorite activity to do in the garden? Well. I like to say hello to all my plants and I like to say hello to my bees and all the butterflies in my garden. And I just really want to make it like a really, um, a really pleasant place. I mean, these are, we're, we're all part of nature and I, I just really like to connect with everything, including the trees. I say, I have my favorite trees and, um, I say hello to everything and I want everything to, I want a really good vibe in my garden. So that's why I do this. I'm not the only person. My mother used to do this too. So I'm kind of following the mother's footsteps. Oh, I love all of this. This is just great. And I think that's so important too, because that's kind of why we talk about building an organic oasis and not just a garden. Like it should be a place that you want to hang out and enjoy and, uh, just connect with nature. So Oh, absolutely. And here's the other thing that I love to do. I go barefoot in my garden. I don't care what time of year it is. I go barefoot because I want to feel the earth under my feet and between my toes. Well, you and I are different there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we also live in different climates. In Florida, I mean, the standard shoe is (laughs) flip-flops. True. Uh yeah, I don't know. I used to be more of a barefoot girl when I was younger, but I'm way into my sandals. That was actually one of my biggest garden barriers, and I wrote a whole blog post about I finally found these shoes really? um, that I got from the animal rescue site in Seattle. And that's been a game changer for me because I, cause what I would do is I would wear my sandals down to the garden, and then they would get dirty, and the dirt would, like, I don't know. And so these shoes, even though they're open-toed shoes... Actually, they have, like, a cover around the toe, but the rest of them is open. I don't know. They just work for mm-hmm. me. So, but uh, but that's great to be barefoot in your garden. I'm glad you like it that way. So, oh, yeah. I'd love it. It's great. Kara, what's the best gardening advice you have ever received? Okay. This is funny. Water everything well. And my husband is the one that taught me that, believe it or not. <laughs> He's a gardener, too. Water everything well, you know, make sure that you're in, don't overwater, but make sure that everything is watered well. And then that's going to help grow. I mean, the problem with a lot of people is they don't water their gardens enough. And then it's, they wonder why the stuff dies. You have to water it well. Make sure that you're watering properly and enough for each particular plant that you're growing. They're all going to requ- have different water requirements. So make sh- just make sure you water everything well. That's it. That's so true, though. Mike's always telling me in the summer when I'll plant a bed of lettuce, he's like, "You get? Did you water today? Did you? You need to go water." And I'm always like, "I just watered yesterday." He's like, "In the summer, you have to water every day." It's true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, we added a rain barrel just for this, just just to do this. I have a rain barrel right by my potting table. I have a 55 gallon rain barrel, and I tell you what, I dip into that thing. Every day, uh, every day I go through the garden and I grab, you know, I, I grab a bucket of water and then I keep going. We actually have a hose that runs out of it too, a spigot out of it. But I like to do it by hand a lot of times. That way I can see what I'm doing instead of just letting a hose run, you know. But I make sure that I water all the plants and make sure everything gets enough water. Because in Florida, 
it gets stuff gets dried out so fast. I mean, you could water actually in the morning, and by by six o'clock that night, everything is going to be dry. It would actually suck up the moisture that much. So you want to make sure that you give it a make sure everything is nothing's wilted. You know, especially in, just depending on where you live, but make sure that everything's watered well and um, and and happy because that's what it's how it's going to produce. You know, it's it, it needs to be healthy if you want to get any produce out of out of your garden. And if you have a plant that's stressed because it doesn't have enough water, that's going to be like an open invitation for pests and insects and diseases to come in too, right? Sure. That that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they're going to come and go, it's weak. It would be the same thing in nature. You know, the the weakest link goes first, right? So mm-hmm. same thing as, same thing with plants. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I just, I'm sure I've heard my guests talk about that before. How about, what's your favorite tool, Kara, that you like to use? Like, if you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? I have a my trusty green spade. I love it. It's a little chipped and a little, 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 little rough around the edges, but I use that thing every time I work in the garden. It's my favorite spade. I have another one that's a bit bigger and it's plastic, but this one is metal and I just love it. I love it. It I, works for me. I thought you might say your, um, like your potting table. I haven't really heard anybody talk about that, but you have like a nice little dedicated potting shelf. And like, I went to visit a friend of mine, Nola, and she had this like little shed thing that her husband had built for her that had a shelf like that. And I just think that's a cool place. Like, especially one with water access. I know Mike wants a water station for washing and cleaning things, but a potting shelf might be nice. I do. I have an, in fact, um, there's a local home improvement store close by my house and they actually sell them. Um, and what we did is we bought one from there. And because it was, it, it's a little more complicated. It, it was easy to put up. It was easy to, uh, it was easy to. You just literally just pop it up, put it in place. Maybe add a couple screws here and there. And then what we did is we painted it with outdoor paint, um, and uh, we really gave it some really good coats to keep it, you know, to try to preserve the wood. And then I, uh, what I did is I used the top shelf for potting. I have. I have different, I have clay pots on there. And then on the, 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 uh, the middle shelf, what I do is I keep all my, um, I keep all my trays in there and I have them stacked up in, in other different pots I have. Uh, and on the bottom, just on the ground underneath, what I do is I store all of my garden soil bags. And then I have on the side, I have on each side, I have hooks. My husband built this for me. He has he gave, put hooks on there, so I have my garden. I have all my garden tools just right there on the side, hanging on the side, and then right right behind where my ta- right beside where my table is on the other side. I have a door uh, in my screen room, and on the other side of that, in the corner, we have the rain barrel, so that while I'm potting stuff, I can water it at the same time. So it's really it's it's great. I that love it. It works well awesome. for me. Because I know like yeah, when Mike transplants his starts, a lot of times he likes to put water in the hole and it's just handy and it clean. It keeps things cleaner because your hands are always getting dirty and then you want to like dig out a seed. And... Yeah. Awesome. So what's your yeah, I love it. favorite recipe to cook from the garden? Oh my gosh. Okay. So we make this most delicious margarita pizza with our own fresh grown toppings. Um, what we like to use is our hot and spicy oregano. 
we go outside. My husband will go out there, pick some sprigs of oregano. At, and also we have um, the sweet basil. We grow that as well. We have tomatoes and jalapenos and bell peppers. And he'll go and collect all these toppings. He, what he does is he finely chops it. And he just little teeny, like, just like little teeny pieces, like mincing it really is what he's doing. He minces all the vegetables up, including the herbs. And then we put that on pizza dough, add pizza sauce. We do it all organically. And then you can add uh, mozzarella cheese or, you know, whatever cheese you really want to use. But mozzarella is what we use. We we chop everything real fine, put it in there. And then with every single bite, you get a burst of flavor. Because that oregano is so strong and so sweet. It just, poof. And then also the sweet basil, wow. I mean, I have never eaten, both of us. Well, the first time we made it, the first bite we took, we both sat back and went, wow, this is delicious. All fresh. Perfect. Yeah, you really can't go wrong with fresh. I like that idea of chopping the vegetables and the herbs all together, like into a tiny, like mincing it. That's a great idea. So you get a, like, I can imagine the burst in each bite. Uh, Yeah. You know, a lot of pizza places, when they, if, if you buy a pizza, they're going to give you, they're going to have a little slice of, you know, mushroom or whatever they're putting on their pea, or tomato, and they're going to have a whole piece. But if you, if you chop it finely, you get that evenly distributed throughout the pizza, and then you have a burst of flavor. It's, it's the best way, really. I'm sure listeners can taste it, and they're dreaming about pizza as we talk. Uh... What's your favorite internet resource? Where do you like to surf on the web? Okay. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, for as far as gardening goes, yeah. honestly, I have learned to love my local county agricultural extension offices. Um, there's two of them. I live in Seminole County. Um, Orange County is south of me, which is Orlando. Um, but both of those, agri- the, both the extension, I know both of the people that run the, both, some of the people that run the both extension offices, they are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to gardening. I mean, for your local, just for your local community, you know, go, go there. I mean, I, and I go there and I, I look up the grow, what grows well in what season, you know, they're, they're wonderful for that. And they also have master gardeners uh, on, you know, that you can have come out to your house. They can give you advice. You can email them, whatever, whatever method you, you know, you want to communicate, but they do have them. And if they they are, they, they are just terrific resources to have wow come out to your house and everything i know everybody and our extension agent is very helpful but that's like uh pretty handy yeah it's it's great (laughs) and you know a lot of these people just volunteer it's a volunteer job and uh, a lot of them will will volunteer to come out to your your house and give you a helping hand you know, I mean, the, it, it's great. I think it's wonderful. And that goes along with, you know, just helping people, help helping people and, and being gracious and, you know, sharing your knowledge about gardening and, and uh, growing food, really. Excellent. Uh, how about, well, and I think that's an important resource because it's been talked about a few times on my show, but I think a lot of people are still surprised to find uh, that they have that access. Um, and like you said, it's very yeah. locally, um, you know, will really help you in your own area. And I think you can even like buy trees and native plants and bushes from them, or they'll have sources where you can find things for your climate. 
they do have they do have sources. In fact, if you contact them, they can tell you where the best place to buy seeds. You know, for 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 to grow native, um, where to you know get plants, where, where you know whatever your whatever they can answer your questions. They can identify plants for you. They are a wealth of knowledge. In fact, I actually took one of my, I had a basil plant that had some. I wasn't sure what it was I had on it, but they returned the leaves were turning brown. I actually took it to the extension office and I asked them what it was, and the, the lady told me it was fungus. So and she told me how to treat it. So, like I said, they're a wonderful wealth of knowledge. I know. I wanted to go to my mom's when I was visiting her recently because she had this tree that was struggling, and then they were also having a problem with their lawn that I could see all over her community. And I was like, we should take a soil sample to the extension agent. I bet they could tell us what the scoop yep. is. Because I just kept insisting in both cases, the lawn and the tree, it had to be something in her soil that was wrong, like something it wasn't getting right. Uh, yeah. yeah. How about... That's right. A favorite reading material, like is there a book or magazine that you like the most, or blog or website or anything? Well, there is one. There is, yeah, I have. I'm I'm involved with several of them. Um, uh, I love the permaculture groups on Facebook and different ones online. They're really just a wealth of knowledge, and these people are very experienced growers. Um, one thing I love about permaculture, I'll just dive into that for a sec. Uh, permaculture embraces three ethics, and those three ethics are care for the earth, care for others, and share the surplus. And these permaculture embraces all of this. And they are just, these groups on, these Facebook groups or their websites, different websites, just, I would encourage anybody to look up um, permaculture because it's all, most of it is done all organically. Um, and it's just, it, I just find these people to be very, very uh, holistic and extremely knowledgeable on gardening period for sure uh i hadn't really even heard about permaculture till i started my podcast but now i've had so many guests come on and kelly Ware, who talked about it in the beginning was one of my most listened to guests she's still like one of the most um viewed pages according to google analytics and just uh i agree with you that they're very holistic like i like that part where they talk about caring they're very similar to like our mission to create an organic oasis. Like it's not just about like one specific thing. They really care about the whole planet and sustainability and, um, and they've got lots of great tips <laughs> besides, like you said, they've been doing yeah, it for they, a while and there's lots of research and people sharing their knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I've just, I just find it kind of homey, you know, <laughs> I'm at home there. Cool. I can be me. I can be the I can be the gardener and the organic gardener that I am. But I love the whole I love the whole concept of doing that because my mom. Going back to my mother, my mother was an amazing. My mom was my inspiration. She was an amazing person. My mother, my mother grew enough food in our urban backyard in Toronto, just outside Toronto where I grew up, to feed our neighborhood in the summertime. I mean, she used to walk walk us out with bags of groceries. Run this down to Mr. So-and-so. Take this to so-and-so over here. I don't think he's eating enough. Give him some vegetables. I mean, it was fantastic. My mother was – this was how my mother grew up. They always shared their food with their neighbors. They always shared the harvest. Everything was always done cooperatively and collectively, you know, for the greater good of everyone, which I love that. I love that whole thing. And, I, and that's one thing I got from my mom. That's one thing I learned, and I want to continue to teach other people this as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, and you said it just so eloquently and just, um, that's really sweet. 
So, well, I kind of hate to switch it this way, but do you have any business advice or any kind of advice to listeners on how to sell extra produce or get started in the industry? Okay. Um, well, I know that you actually interviewed uh, Sam Little mm-hmm. <laughs> from Veggie Vendor, and I am—I actually signed up. I'm—I'm I'm actually one of his veggie vendors. I'm on his website. I mean, I'm on his on, online thing as a grower. Um, and then you can also contact your local agricultural office, like I was talking about, for tips. And then, if you're interested in starting a business for doing uh, growing, go to your local farmers markets and find out what they require um, as far as growing. I know a lot of them, ha- you have to have insurance, you know, to sell products there. But you can also really? go on to like, yeah, the mine locally do. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, you have to have some, you have to have insurance. I, have, I actually haven't sold anything to them yet, um, but or sold anything on with the farmer's market yet. But uh, I did get their application. I reviewed it, and it actually asked for insurance. Um I don't know if all of them are like that, but um, uh, it, mine is. Mine is here, the one that I have in my my local community. Yeah. You know, I like to share my food, though. I'm not so much into selling it. I, I would prefer to share it or barter it. You know, like if somebody wants something and they say, hey, I'll trade you for, you know, some jelly or I make a lot of jelly and a lot of jam. <laughs> and uh, like share it or share it with people, share resources, you know. Just trade out for, for – I'd rather trade people for products and services. And Mark and I, my husband and I have been doing this for years. We did this when we had our business. We used to trade we – we would prefer to trade people for services and products than, than buy it. I mean, why – if you can have something to – if somebody wants something you have and you have something they want, trade it. Yeah. Uh there's a lot to be said for that. That's interesting because I was just thinking about that because we were watching like – uh, I don't know if you ever followed the Grateful Dead, but they had kind of like an old, like a little, You, if you went to like a Grateful Dead show, you could go to the parking lot and there would be like this giant little community, but so much of it thrived on trading and bartering and um, just people. It was just a really neat kind of, I don't know if you'd call it counterculture or something, but uh, that's interesting because I was just thinking about that yesterday. That is a great way to... Um, to do things and then also like if you have extra you know zucchinis one year maybe your neighbor has extra eggplants or you have lots of blueberries and they have some strawberries like it's a great great way to supplement what's going good in your garden or that you find easy to grow with something somebody else finds easy to grow right yeah i mean there's no cost involved other than you know your time but i mean you can you can acquire a lot through bartering and and fair trade i mean you don't have to have money you know not necessary That's how my mother's family did it for years. When you when you grow up in a rural setting like my mother did, you just barter stuff with people because sometimes you're snowed in. <laughs> you call your you get a hold of your nearest neighbor and you hey hey I've got some uh, I got some chicken eggs here and I'll trade you for a for a duck or a, or a turkey or something you know. So yeah, we actually just traded for a wood stove and it is the nicest wood stove. I'm so glad Mike held out for a long time because it's got like the glass window and everything and just um, oh. for sure that's a super way and like uh, I was just listening to this replay I did with Jim Swanson who has like a llama farm up here and he was talking yeah. about trading fencing 
And then once he got his place fenced in, he's like, oh, no, I need to find some animals. And that's kind of how he got his llamas. And I know Mike has treated a lot of people for fencing. And just it's a great way to be able to accomplish things maybe you couldn't do on your own. Sure. I sure. think Mike and even traded for our beehives, treated like, oh, my gosh, it was like the hottest days of summer. Oh, yeah. And we're hauling firewood. And he hauled all these loads of firewood to whitefish to this guy. Um, I mean, it couldn't have been closer. It was like a 45-mile drive, but I think we were like on the north end instead of the – and so it was the shorter part of 45 miles, whatever, if you could say that. And uh, yeah. it was really nice. – that's how we got our beehives. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you can barter and trade for so much. I mean, it's really the best way to go. If you can do it, if you can do it, it's wonderful. Sure. You know, and then it also helps you connect with your neighbors as well. You know, you can form a community with trade for just trading stuff. You know, somebody's going to need something, or you know, if you're a talented painter or if you're a mechanic, just trade with your neighbors. It's great, and it's a great way to go local and keeping your you know footprint, your carbon footprint down. Absolutely, yeah. But just walk next door <laughs> if you can. You know, it's great. Yeah. Well, we're at my final question, which I know you know how it goes. So, uh, Kara, if there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or a project like your sustainability project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Okay, so... That was a loaded question. Um, okay, first, I'm getting ready to launch my community composting program called the Sustainability Project. We already touched on that already, um, where I encourage all of my neighbors to drop off their organic kitchen waste and paper products in a bag on my doorstep so I can compost them and turn them into rich garden soil. That allows me to grow pollen and nectar-loaded bee, butterfly-friendly food and plants, um, as well as a whole host of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and foliage that's going to um, nourish my bees and butterfly, my bees and butterfly, and uh, help them really. My whole my whole thing is I really want to help them regenerate, thrive, and survive. And then it also helps us feed ourselves and share the bounty with our neighbors. The second point is habitat loss, poor nutrition, environmental toxins, GMOs, and waste. Plastic waste and climate change are impacting gardeners and growers worldwide. We need to be really concerned about the health of our air and plants and our oceans. What we have now is a massive pollution problem on this planet, which no one is addressing. That's my opinion, in any purposeful way. And our very lives depend on collectively finding solutions. And I think that food security is going to become a huge issue for many global communities in the coming years with the instability of more frequent droughts and floods and heat waves, wildfires, sea level rise, and stronger storms that will directly affect how we grow food. Um, I would suggest to the listeners to get educated now on alternative growing methods commonly practiced in permaculture. Uh, I would suggest keeping honeybees uh, at a rain barrel, just like I did. Um, uh, and that's for potable water. Install solar panels to generate your own electricity. Uh, Learn how to grow microgreens. Go to your local county extension, and they'll they'll give you a they'll give you the lowdown on how to grow microgreens and sprouts and herbs. Mine here locally do this. Uh, learn as much as you can about hydroponics, aquaponics, vertical gardens, and other cutting edge methods uh, and green building designs. 
take a class at your local county extension office so you're well educated on our collective gardening future. You know, oh. that's that's a that's the best way to start. Kara, I love that answer because I feel like I just I've it's been a tough year for me, and this has been kind of a theme in the last few interviews that I've done. One is like my mom just can't seem to grasp my like. Uh, I think part of it is just like we've kind of come become complacent with those stupid green bins that recycle things and people just haven't really put the connection that we just got to reduce the amount of plastic. And I'm just, I don't know. I've been kind of frustrated because I want to eat more fruit and eat healthier. And then, but it always comes in this plastic container that seems to be more. And I'm so glad you're somebody else pointing out, like, I don't feel like I'm the only person out there that feels this way. And I don't feel like, like, I love this. I came up with a nickname for that Alexandria, Cortez Ortega I don't know I'm calling her ace yeah I know who you're talking about yeah. you know with the green new deal because I think she's so right I think we totally need like leadership and like answers and solutions that are getting put into place right now like I just feel like we're tired of waiting and and people saying and so much of what you said is so important and definitely like I was just going through my Google Analytics the other day I guess and like I saw people are so interested in vertical gardens that Nate story um, that I met the guy in Paris who worked for him in Wyoming he's like one of the most viewed pages like there's out of my top 15 there were five people and he was one of those five people um, that people are really interested in learning more about and hydroponics and aquaponics and um, just the, yeah. like you said, cutting edge growing methods. And the more we invest in it, the more we research it, the more we get get it going, the more solutions people are going to solve. So I just love everything you just said it was so perfect. Makes my heart feel warm and green. Thank you. So, not that you haven't dropped like a million golden seeds, but do you have an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate listeners to reach into the dirt and start their own garden? Yes. Know where your food comes from. Do your research. Eat organic. Grow your own food. Opt out of the industrial food conveyor belt for your health and well-being. Give a more plant-based diet only on meatless Mondays. That's a joke, by the way. Um, the future is in we instead of me. I always say that. Um, by working properly together towards common goals for the greater good of everyone in our community. Listen, we can all be rainbow warriors, and together we can turn the earth green again. I love that. What do you say, meatless Mondays? So that's like trying, because yeah. they say, I was just meatless watching Mondays. on the news they were talking this morning about the best diet. You know, there's all this like keto diet people and all these new diets, but they really say the best diet is the Mediterranean diet, which my mom's been like screaming at me my whole life. Um, but then this other guy came on and he was talking about for guys, they say like they call he called it a flexation diet or something where it's like flexible and like you try to eat more plant-based, but you're going to have days where you just really want to eat meat. But I think your meat less Mondays is a great way to, give it a whirl and give it and try a more plant-based diet because I think a lot of people yeah. don't realize how much water just goes into feeding cattle and like, it's not the most efficient way to eat. And so that's another reason why plant-based food's not just great for you, but it's so great for our environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I eat more vegetarian myself. That's my personal choice. My personal and pescatarian. Vegetarian, pescatarian, but mostly mostly vegetarian. Um, I just I just like to eat really healthy, and it, and believe me, the health benefits that I've gained out of doing it have been phenomenal. It's totally worth 
it was totally worth uh, making the switch. So, you know, everybody can do this. Everybody can, everybody can be part of the solution. And that's going to be a critical aspect of moving forward, you know, with humanity in the future. Aww. I, you know, it's so funny. I listen to Marie Forleo and she talks about when you post any piece of content, you should come up with like 25 possible titles. And so I usually never do that. I usually just like put the name of the person and like where they're from and maybe like one thing. But I have thought of so many awesome titles that I could call this because you've dropped so many golden seeds and like either Rainbow Warriors or I like that to be a part of be a part of the solution. That would be a great heading for the show or You've just been such an amazing guest and I know listeners are going to love listening to this as much as I have. And do you want to tell them how to connect with you since you're a realtor with a go green? Maybe they're interested in, I don't know, and learning about your sustainability project. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So here's the, here's the, here's the website for my sustainability project. It's www.thesustainabilityproject1.org. Awesome. And I'm also on Facebook. Yeah, I'm also on Facebook. It's a sustain, under the Sustainability Project. Um, and you can email me at care, C-A-R-E, beekeeper at gmail.com. Uh, and you can call me on my cell, too. It's 407-709-8942. Awesome. Because I care. <laughs> Aw. Well, that's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I can't wait to share this with listeners and just connect with you again in 2019. And, uh, and I'm wishing your sustainability project the best. And I hope people will be interested. And I know they will because people have asked me questions about these things. And, and so much of what you shared today is just, I think, a part of what everybody loves about this show. So thank you. Absolutely. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I pre- appreciate being able to reach out and talk to your guests. Aww. Well, we loved having you. So have a great day. Uh, thanks. Okay, bye. Hey, everyone. So I just want to remind you that we created a Patreon page. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And just go to patreon.com forward slash organic gardener podcast. I went back in and changed the Patreon tiers again. So now it is, um, you can donate. My brother was like, you're still asking for just way too much. He's like, it should be a dollar a month or $2 a month. So I changed it. So it's like $12 a year. Um, You can go in for a dollar a month. And pretty much I think you can just, if you just click on any of them, you can donate whatever amount you want. Um... And so it would just be huge if you could help. Um, When he found out how much I was paying for my website and stuff, he was just in shock. So, um, you know, I I love my podcast and I I certainly would. I I have to say I'm surprised we're still going because I'm really struggling at this point. So if there's anything you can do to help keep the show on the air, I know you get value from it because I've learned so much. Um, it would really help. So like my brother said, if just 50 people could donate a dollar a month, that would really, really, really be huge in helping pay for the website. He was like, what? You pay $77 a month just for the website? And then there's a few other charges that, like I said, it comes out to about $100 a month that I've been putting out for going on four years now out of our own pockets. So um, it would just be huge if you could chip in. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? 
If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.